Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's V, the Grill Economist, coming to you live on this edition of Rogue News in the Morning with my main man, CJ, working the airways, making sure the broadcast coming out crispy and clean. You know what I mean? Check us out, roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News. Rogue News on every single podcasting app. The links are all in the description box. And also check out our paid sponsors, mycbdedibles.com, mycbdedibles.com for all your CBD edible goodness. And with that being said, El Cuco, what's going on, brother? Hey, good morning, V. Uh, doing great. How you doing, brother? Doing great, man. Got a interesting lineup of things to uh, break down and to run through today, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, man, lots of things going on. It's always lots of things going on. So <laughs> I don't know where you want to begin, brother, but <clears throat> I want to talk about the one and only Hunter Biden. Oh, Hunter. <laughs> I want to talk about the guy whose laptop is a gift that keeps on giving, brother. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. This is probably one of the most uh, important cases. Okay, This is probably one of the most uh, important stories that the mainstream media is overlooking. Okay? And uh, what the mainstream media is overlooking here is that if this was one of the Trump kids, and this has been said before, if this was one of the Trump kids, this will be 24-7 news. They wouldn't be reporting on anything else. This would be like uh, plastered on sidewalks everywhere, mm-hmm. right? Yep. yep. But because this guy's a de- he's the son of a Democrat establishment hack, then nothing's mentioned. So this is huge. This is uh, more money than God. Chinese titan lavished Hunter Biden with three-carat gem offer of $30 million. Listen to that. The Biden family offered their services to a huge Chinese government-linked energy concern. Now, we all know about the Bidens, right? We all know what they were doing in Delaware. We know the fact that Joe Biden has been an absolute prostitute. He's been whoring himself out to corporations for the longest time. 
First, it was the banks and the credit card corporations and whatnot, and having them all come down to Delaware. And now that tradition continues with his minions. How do we know? Because hundreds of emails documenting the deal found on Hunter Biden's laptop left in a Delaware repair shop in April 2019. I guess that was the time he was really uh, snorting that Parmesan cheese from the couch and carpets and stuff like that. <laughs> Known as a laptop from hell, New York Post columnist Miranda Devine tells the tale. James Gilliar, a wiry 56-year-old British ex-SAS sir officer, got to know Yi Jingming, the 40-year-old chairman of CEFC, when they were both working in the Czech Republic. CEFC was a Chinese conglomerate, one of the largest energy companies in the world. Yi's take, I mean task, was to spend $1.5 billion as quickly as possible to ensure that the Czech Republic would become China's gateway to the European Union, a priority of President Xi Jinping. To that end, Yi brought everything from a football team to a brewery to an airline before being named the Special Economic Advisor to Czech President Milos Zeman. Now he was looking for an influential partner to help with the acquisitions in other locations around the world. That had a strategic significance for the Chinese state. Then, Gilear connected with Hunter Biden who, through a trusted Biden family friend, Rob Walker, a former Clinton administration official whose wife, Betsy Massey Walker, had been Jill Biden's assistant when she was second lady. Mm -hmm. Gillier emailed Walker in February 2015 to praise Hunter's appearance in Beijing at a board meeting of the fledgling investment fund Hunter had founded with John Kerry's son, PHR. Hunter was a great, Gillier wrote to Walker. True chic of Washington. He emailed Hunter a few weeks later. It has been made clear to me that CEFC wished to engage in further business relations with our group. Gillier knew that CEFC was the capitalist arm of President Xi Jinping's Belt and Road Initiative to spread China's influence and, and debt traps. Gotta watch out for those debt traps, Siege. Gotta always throw that in there. Across the world. No Chinese company executed its goals more ardently than CEFC and its young chairman who was dubbed the Belt and Road Billionaire in the press. Chairman Yi built a provincial energy company into a Fortune 500 colossus virtually overnight, an achievement described by Chinese news agency as another great enigma in the miraculous world of Chinese business. He enjoyed the support of President Xi, former uh, deputy director of the general of the government's propaganda arm, the Chinese Association for International Friendly Contracts, so on and so forth. So what was the deal? They were giving this guy, hey, Hunter, here's the deal. We're going to pay you $10 million a year. For three years. Okay? Just for introduction. See, how would you love that job? Just for introduction. Sign me up. Sign me up. You don't got to close a deal. You don't have to do anything. All you got to do is just make introductions. and You get paid $10 million a year. Then on top of that, your signing bonus is a three-carat VS2 F-Clarity Diamond. Valued at $80,000. That's a nice and lovely sign-on bonus. <laughs> it truly is. It is incredible to see this. And you know, it's funny. The article further states that when Yi was hanging out at the, uh, at the Ritz-Carlton, one of the hotels in D.C., Hunter was there. 
and already met with him the previous night, right, to, to, to cement the deal. You know what Hunter t said to everybody, Siege? What Hunter Biden has told the media was that he was there to talk about altruistic charitable donations to the World Food uh, was it, the World Food uh, 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 Program to feed the hungry. And it, and and while they were discussing starving children in South Sudan. All of a sudden, they just happen to trip into talking about business. See, see, that happens all the time, right? I mean, you know, we could be somewhere, you and I, pounding some chicken wings, right? And we just all of a sudden start casually, you know, talking about starving children in, the, in, in <laughs> South Sudan. And then all of a sudden, we're talking about it. It happens all the time, you know, all, all the time. Like when I'm meeting somebody for charitable donations, one of the things I love to do is talk about business. Oh, yeah. Sure. And so we have this crackhead who snorts Parmesan cheese from carpets. We have this crackhead who thinks he is Picasso selling paintings, CJ, at $500, $700, and $300,000 per painting to, quote-unquote, anonymous people that nobody knows just to keep it, quote-unquote, ethical. <laughs> now, if you believe that, I have a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. Right on. Your thoughts, man. It's unbelievable. No, I think you're you're spot on. It just I, I I started trying to think through this in terms of the amount of corruption, the amount of greed that that just constantly surrounds everything with Washington D.C. and under, trying to understand v, why the public doesn't get upset about the about all these things. Whether it's you know whether it's the the Epstein, whether it's you know J.P. Morgan, all the the fraud. And I've came to the conclusion v that it's just it's just now part. Of American culture, greed, corruption, theft—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's in our DNA now. It and and we're, and we're numb to it because, and that's why we just accept these things as business as usual. And um, I think that's why, for the most part, people don't get angry, people don't get upset, is because this is this is the new normal. It it's the new normal when you witness the the robbing, the 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 looting of the stores and taking what you want. That's the new American culture. That's what we've evolved to be. It's it's here, um, and that's why, like again, we're just numb to seeing the criminality of these things exist, and and most people don't care anymore. They just that's just business as usual in, in D.C. What the Hunter Biden laptop does again, it paints a picture as to what truly runs the United States government, folks. It gives you a little snapshot because you got to understand this whole Hunter Biden thing is not an anomaly. They all do that. When you read Peter Schweitzer's book, okay, he's written many books about campaigning. He wrote many books about political corruptions. He wrote many books about the graft that is in Washington, D.C. When you read Schweitzer's book, it paints a vivid picture of the very fact that the majority of the time that these politicians spend is time trying to accumulate wealth for themselves. In other words, there is no reason, there's no logical reason as to why somebody like a Nancy Pelosi is worth over $200 million. There is no 
logical reason that when you look at the Congress and you look at senators, people who go into political office, into public office, they go in and they come out as newly minted millionaires. Folks, you have to understand the Hunter Biden is not an outlier. He is part and parcel of the entire symptom of the problem that is Washington, D.C. He's common. The only difference between Hunter Biden and everybody else is that he's a crackhead and he ain't so careless. <laughs> he's he just dumb. happens to get caught. <laughs> he's an idiot and gives his laptop to a repair shop with everything on it. it. <laughs> and the guy's like, yo, calls him multiple times. He's like, hey, you know what? Uh, we got your laptop, sir. You want to come in and pick it up? No response. Crickets on his end. Must be nice just to throw around MacBook Pros all over the place. You see, folks, this is not an outlier. This is common. You need to understand that this is, again, God, the universe, giving you a glimpse into the lives of your politicians. Yes, Hunters, is, it's crazy. There's, you know, hookers and, and, and cocaine all over the place and all this other, all this other stuff in, the, in, in that laptop. All sorts of illicit things. But I also like to see Mitch McConnell's laptop, Siege. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd like I, to I, see, I'd love to. I'd like to see Nancy Pelosi's laptop. I'd like to see Chuck Schumer's laptop. I'd like to see Lindsay Tickle My Butt Graham's laptop. Well, maybe not. But... <laughs> <laughs> But even, the point be, being, even, yeah, even dating back to the the eighties, like looking at the the like the Reagan administration and all that, with the massive expansion that the military industrial complex, you know, most of those cabinet member positions and people that within the administration went on to the boards of those military industrial complex, Raytheon, all those those companies, and they they sat on the board and earned millions and millions upon dollars for what for for contacts for reach to the government for these these federal contracts. It's just Again, it's 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 a system. It's the culture of corruption that's created within D.C. and you know why so many people try to get it, and hence why the reason why Trump couldn't break it because you know who would who would want to who would want to kill the gravy train, right? Yeah. Like even Republicans, you know why why would you want to stop a good thing like that? Be I mean just rolling in that dough. One hundred percent. And the thing, folks, if you want to again get a good grasp at this, you have Peter Schweitzer's book. You know, there's throw them all out. There's secret empires, profiles and corruption. There's so many of these books, and he's the one who wrote the uh, the the uh, he did the movie uh, Clinton Cash, the documentary. Again, giving you a synopsis on whole on how all of this works, and we and they got away with it. They got away with it for decades. Why? Because the system that was built, the fiat system, the dollar as the importer of the last resort system, what that means is this. The deal that was done in 1971 with Henry Kissinger and OPEC was this. This is the deal, folks, that kept that, you know, that, that I always say that the American dream is built on Saudi pipelines. Here's the deal. 
The United States is not only the world reserve currency, having the world reserve currency, which is the dollar, but we are also the importer of last resort, meaning when our allies and our, our, our quote-unquote partners like Saudi Arabia buy our dollars, buy our treasury bonds and whatnot, they are coaxed or involved in trade. They're also coaxed to invest in our markets. So when you have the gravy train of world reserve currency, when you have the gravy train of importer of last resort, you can get away with a lot of stuff. You can get away with all sorts of financial crimes. You can get away. Folks, at that point, when you start introducing the fiat system, the world reserve currency status, and then importer of last resort, at that point, the world is your oyster. At that point, you can do what the hell you want. As long as the world is transacting in the dollar, you become the carpet-bagging death dealer that you want, that you can, you desire to be. You can go ahead and start cutting deals. And this graft ran for several, several decades, and they kept kicking the can down the road. Why would they not? Why would they want to? I mean, I mean, mm -hmm. think about it. Right. Why would they want to stop? They keep kicking the can. Why? Because they want to keep the gravy train going. And it works so long as everybody's buying into the Ponzi scheme. It works so long as everybody thinks that the emperor has clothes. It works so long as people don't realize that your financial markets are illiquid and, and, and insolvent. And that wake-up call came in the 2008 financial crash. And the world woke up and realized that America is a basket case. That alternative systems need to be built. That alternative world order needs to emerge. That something better has to happen. Mm. And this is the struggle. You have the old guard. You have the legacy brand, which is the United States of America along with its allies, which are all a bunch of legacy brands. The UK, the EU, all of them legacy brands, all of them obsolete, all of them a bunch of has-beens. They bring nothing new to the table because they've been getting fat and lazy and, and slovenly and drunkard off the system that they've been living high off the hog on. They don't want to change it. So now, enter, after the 2008 financial collapse, enter coronavirus. Oh. You got Omicron, the moronic strain. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and folks, let me explain something to you, right? It's amazing. It's quite... Is there a conspiratorial uh, um, agenda amongst Western countries in their reaction to Corona. Yes, there is, 100%. But is it also, you have to understand, this conspiracy is not a conspiracy of some of the most adept, most brilliant minds who understand human nature, human psychology, who understands the grand chessboard of nations and nation states and human culture. No, 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 no. These are the agendas 
of the idiots. These are the agendas of the morons. And these are the agendas of the LARPers. Folks, let me explain something to you. You get around these guys from the World Economic Forum. You might think they're the most powerful, brilliant minds out there. No, they're idiots. They're really stupid. They're really mediocre. Because these are people that get together. And granted, alt media will paint them as benevolent. They'll paint them as supreme beings who understand everything. They they know it all. That's what they would say. You know, they would say that. But in reality, these are people who forecast into a vacuum. In reality, these are people who the stupidest things that they do and they try to get away with that they can't. Their system is falling around all around them. And they know that. They want to press as much chaos as possible without allowing the chaos to go completely out of their control. And their hope is that you stay divided. Their hope is that you fight amongst yourselves along lines of race and religion and and, or, and orientation and all these other things. That's their hope. But beyond that, they have no plan. They have no future. So their whole gambit for the last several decades, folks, is doing exactly the kind of stuff that Hunter Biden has been doing. Mm-hmm. The same thing. The same yep. thing. Siege. No, you're right. You nailed it. And decades and decades, right? Like, you know, going back to the, you know, the dark history of the United States, everything from, you know, J.P. Morgan uh, funding, you know, Hitler to, you know, Ford producing, you know, manufacturing things with for Nazi Germany. I mean, this is, you know, went on for, you know, forever, you know, even even with Reagan, you know, when people talk about Reagan, little known fact is that, you know, how we arrived at this point is the fact that, you know, Ronald Reagan actually created the vaccine injury program, which basically gave immunity to the pharmaceutical manufacturers you know they they took it upon themselves to push reagan to say listen you know we're not happy with the lawsuits of of our our vaccines and you know the government needs to do something so what did reagan do in 1986 he signed the national childhood vaccine injury into law uh, that created this program and and basically what it did was it, it gave pharmaceutical company liability so so don't go tell me that, you know, Ronald Reagan was the greatest president ever and, and you know, the whole left-right paradigm. I mean, it's, it's been exposed time and time again. And, and I think why that's important as we, as we lead into the next election cycle is thinking that voting on a national level for, for president is going to make any difference because it's, it, it's not. If you look at most of, of policies that Biden has implemented to, to foreign policies, those were Trump's policies. So again, time and time again, outside of social things, social impact and social policies are obviously completely different. I firmly believe that's the only thing that a sitting U.S. president has control over is social domestic policies. But when it comes to foreign, international, geopolitical matter, geopolitical matters, finance, and everything else like that, the president has no say so in that. It's it's all controlled by intelligence agencies and these these uh, these dark corners of nights where these conversations take place. We absolutely. CJ, Twatter. Twatter has a new CEO as Jack the Bohemian Dorky. I'm sorry, uh, Dorsey steps down. What's going on with Twatter? Well, you know, looking at looking at his resignation and 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 V, I'm just and I and I get why London Paul sometimes he just he gets fed up with the conspiracy theories and and you know he says you know not everything's conspiracy theory and and what happened the moment the moment that uh, the Maxwell trial started, apparently there were a few resignations. Jack Dorsey, 
I think MSNBC and there was one other CEO. And obviously everyone, you know, jumps into, oh, it's because they know they're going to be on that list of of um, of, of the list of, of uh, Epstein and everything, which which we know, you know, that there's numerous people, numerous lists on there. So I think with Dorsey, Jack Dorsey resigning, I think he could no longer hold the gates of what was being pushed and mandated through Twitter. Yeah. We know that Zucker turd is, is going to be more than happy to jump on the control mechanisms that the alphabet agencies, the, the, the deep state, the globalist cabal, they want these things in place. So therefore Dorsey couldn't, couldn't hold that back any longer. And, and so he's like, you know what? I'm out. I'm done. I'm, I'm not saying he's a good guy. Don't get me wrong. No, don't, don't go taking that out of context. But, but the moment that it happened, the first thing that Twitter did with their new CEO, they they started ban, banning memes. They're like, listen, you banning memes, and also you cannot post any videos of individuals who are non-public figures without their permission. So all these control mechanisms that, that now are going to be implemented now that he's out of the way, you know, you better watch out. It's just a matter of time before you thought shadow banning was something that that's nothing to what's around the corner. So yeah, one hundred percent. They're you yeah, yeah. go ahead, go ahead, B. No, 100%. I mean, so if there's an image of Jeffrey Epstein, if there's an image of, I don't know, let's say Hunter Biden, I want to tweet it, and I want to comment on his latest stuff of what he's doing, I can't do that. So in other words, Twitter has become the ultimate suck. And, you know, see, see just a base over here with, with Dorsey. Let me, I'll give you a little snapshot on Dorsey. People think he's some evil, maniacal guy. Honestly, the weight of the evidence in terms of people that know him he is an accidental billionaire. Now you got to understand, he's a billionaire because of a, 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 the value of his stock in a in, in a tech company. You know that might mean something for more it, it, to 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 normies. It might mean something, but in the real world of wealth and power, you're a paper billionaire. It doesn't mean jack shit. Now, getting back on topic, the thing with Dorsey, he's a bohemian kind of guy. Is he perfect? No. But one of the things that I think that, you know, some murmurings that were coming out of Twitter from people that are close to him and people that I've known, you know, through, you know, third party that know him is he never really had control. If you look at it, right, he's always been this aloof CEO who was never there. So there's a lot of things that are running in Twitter. And we all, we all know Twitter is at this point, we can confidently say Twatter at this point is an establishment intelligence infiltrated mouthpiece. And if there's any more compunction to leave Twatter, it's now. Yeah. Amen. We still have an account on Twatter, which I think at this point going forward is just posting uh, announcements without any opinion on anything, period. We are slowly migrating to other platforms. Uh, I mean, Gab is a dumpster fire. I don't know if they fixed that recently. Oh, my God. You sign up on Gab. You get an account. There's like 3 million bots that all of a sudden <laughs> start messaging you to solicit you to to for, for like webcams and shit. I mean, what the, what the hell's going on? It's all bots, right? I mean, Gab is a dumpster fire. Hopefully, they fixed things, you know? I don't know what's left. I don't, I, I, I don't know... Uh, what else is out there, you know? But, you know, we're on other platforms. We're on Rumble as well. 
and whatnot. So this the, the new CEO of Twatter, okay, they, 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 of course they stuck a North Indian guy there. Twatter CEO, Parang. Parang, not, by the, uh, not bound by the First Amendment agrawal, took the helm. The company announced that it will no longer allow people to share images or videos of private individuals without their consent. I thought this was a public forum. Oh, boy, were you wrong. <laughs> Due to <laughs> growing concerns about the misuse of media and information to harass, intimidate, and reveal the identities of individuals, we assume that this includes uh, photos of protesters, rioters, right? People looting Louis Vuitton store, the driver of an SUV plowing into a crowd of people, and viral memes, which include non-public figures. <laughs> oh, my God. Look at this. Jack Posobich uh, tweets, one week after Wakasha, uh, Twitter bans sharing images or videos of private individuals. With other so if we got some guy like Math Boy Fly, when he's in the middle, Okay, we cannot be disturbed because he's in the middle of taking his SUV and plowing 50 people over. We got to have Math Boy's permission in order to take a video of him <laughs> or a picture of him. Because, you know, he's a private individual. And, you know, excuse the fact. Oh, by the way, Siege, he, full disclosure, Math Boy Fly did not plow over 50 people with an SUV. The SUV plowed 50 people. Okay. Those damn SUVs. Damn it. Dude, they're dangerous. They're dangerous. They need to be taken off the road. We need to ban ban them. them. In a Tuesday blog post, the company wrote, there are growing concerns about the misuse of media and information that's not available anywhere online as a tool to harass and intimidate and reveal the identities of these individuals. Sharing personal media such as images and videos can potentially violate a person's privacy and have lead to emotional and physical harm. Oh, my God. The misuse of private media can affect everyone, but can have a disproportionate effect on women, on activists, uh, dissidents, and members of minority communities. <laughs> when we receive a report that water <laughs> contains unauthorized private media, we will now take action in line with our range of enforcement options. <laughs> what a dumpster fire. What a dumpster fire this is turning out to be. Matt Talebi uh, said it best. Will Twitter become an ocean of suck? Yes, it will. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Yes, it will. The resignation of Jack Dorsey is the latest plot point in the story of the Internet's transformation from democratizing tool to the instrument of elite control. Jack Dorsey. See, these assholes were not, you know, they, they're like these old farts who go into these uh, these uh, circle jerk groups, right? Like the Bilderberg, the Bilderberg meeting. Oh, the Bilderbergers are here. Oh, my God. They're plotting globalist, globalist takeover. The Bilderbergs. Right, these are these are obsoletes. That's what I like to call them. They're obsolete, obsolete morons who are in these secret societies, sitting around in circles, circle jerking each other and sniffing each other's farts. That's who these decrepit, low-level scum are. Okay, that's what they are, and they're they're sitting there. Uh, you know, we don't control. Nobody's watching. NBC, ABC, CBS, or any of the major networks that we own. We need to control these tech platforms. Yes. Yes, let's do it. And they don't understand that everywhere they go, everything turns to shit, number one. Number two, everywhere they go, the population, the masses leave it because it's not cool anymore. I mean, who the hell's on Facebook except old people these days, right? It's ridiculous. Jack Dorsey 
the extendo bearded uh, CEO who uh, co-founded Twitter and whose fame grew with that of the increasingly powerful platform during the Trump years resigned today. His departure is the latest plot point in a long developing internet tragic comedy, which has seen that was uh, supposed to be a historically democratizing technological tool transformed into a dystopian force for censorship and control. The departure of Dorsey, a rare CEO who cannot, who not only has a conscience, but appears to consult it more all more than once every few years, is bad news for those who already had complaints about the company, which during his tenure came to occupy a central role in what's left of American intellectual culture. Twitter under Dorsey suffered from working too well. Specifically, society responded to Donald Trump's tweet-driven 2016 presidential campaign as if it revealed a defect in the platform that needed fixing when actually Trump's election was proof that Twitter was working. And this is, again, there's a little clue as to why the elites want control of the platforms. Can't have another Trump show up, right? Can't have somebody like him disrupting the Apple cart. Twitter was working uh, uh, you know, much as, as intended. Our political establishment just wasn't looking for that sort of functionality. The original concept of Twitter was egalitarian, flattening, and iconoclastic. To give everyone a power to create and share ideas instantly without barriers, the mantra fit with then-CEO Dick Costello's 2010 claim that we're the free speech wing of the free speech party. Prior to 2016, elite mouthpieces bragged about acting as gatekeepers to political power. Someone like ABC writer Mark Halperin could write boastful pieces about how a gang of 500 in Washington really decided the presidency. These were campaign consultants, strategists, pollsters, pundits, journalists who make up the modern-day political establishment. In other words, these are the losers, absolute losers. When the political debates were held, a handful of analysts on TV told you who won. We reporters told you who was electable and who wasn't. And people most likely listened even if electability was a crock that mostly measure levels of corporate donor approval. Then came 2016. Trump didn't get the big Republican donor money. It went to Jeb Bush. He didn't get the support of his party's bureaucracy, which at various times pulled out stops to try to derail his candidacy for nomination. And even conservative media locked arms against him early in the race. Trump's, uh, Trump throughout his political career benefited from free corporate media co uh, coverage but by the time of his first nomination, he had a universally negative editorial treatment in mainstream media and serious detractors on stations like even Fox, right? And this is the reason. So these guys are, are, are too little too late, like most things that the obsoletes do. They want to have their great new reset in the middle of this when people are awake. You morons. <laughs> you morons. You want this transformative thing, thinking that, you know, the, the pain – that you've purposely caused with supply chains is going to translate to people being adherent to your uh, edicts. It's not going to happen. Bad timing. And yet again, bad timing here. Where everyone has left mainstream media. Mainstream corporate media has been left in the dust. Everybody went to various social media platforms. And now here comes these uh, losers saying, hey, you know what? We're going to come in and we're going to start taking over this. Too little, too late. The cat is out of the bag. Siege, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, again, Dorsey leaving. I think the, the the floodgates are open. B, there's one other thing that we really need to keep a, a focus on, and 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 I'm not sure if um, our listeners are aware of this, but there is a a new effort that's being pushed forth by 
the DOJ under Biden, which by all means has been weaponized, right? We know that the parents now that, that protest at school board meetings are now domestic terrorists. Well, here's how they do it. Here's how they do it. So so the, the Senate just confirmed uh, uh, this a uh, Cantor who's you know progressive, who's going to lead the DOJ's antitrust division. So they're going to push forth efforts. This is a renewed effort that's going to be going after Google. Now, we would look at this and say, yes, you know, it needs to happen. But that's not their game. That's not their game. Their game is to shift the power control of these corporations and influence them to implement and do the policies that they want. In other words, the goal here isn't to disrupt and to completely take them apart. It's to, to reel them in and say, hey, look, you're not doing enough. You're not doing enough to, to censor uh, people who are uh, against vaccines. You're not enough to to censor people who are against the political establishment class in, in America. So that's what's ha- currently happening. So there's going to be a renewed push to uh, utilize an antitrust laws to go after Google and who knows what company is, is next, but it's th- their means is to influence and to shift their policies within the companies to be more progressive, to, to do these policies. And this, and this is, this is fairly new. So, so keep an eye on this. Um, if, and I still use Google services and everything else like that, who knows what those, what behind closed doors, what kind of changes and mandates they're going to want Google to do V, but um, you know, where most people would celebrate this and say, yeah, that's a big win that the DOJ is going after Google. It's, it's just to, to reel them in to say, Hey, you know what? <laughs> Start playing our game or else things are going to happen. And, and they'll do this time and time again. That's when we say that DOJ has been weaponized under this administration. It truly has. Yeah. 100% man. The, you know, people, some people cheer on like, ah, oh, good, you know, go get them. No, 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 no. Not every single person that works for Google is a government bootlicker. I mean, granted, they have their slants. Some, most of them are left wing, one hundred percent. This is about the amalgam of control. This about is about the melding of government and corporations. This is what you're seeing here, folks. Okay, and to get more control of of this, and number one, and number two, it also has a double edged sword. While they're quote unquote going after Google, in other words conforming things to make this 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 hydro that they're creating right between all the social media companies this that, and the other but also the other side of the sword is to destroy any sort of competition for google okay so in other words they they are both the carrot and the stick right they're holding the carrot out and they're beating them at the same time so in other words you're going to see this move, right, which is, again, theater of the profane. Theater of the profane. That's all it is. But watch them move laterally. They're fainting a left hook on you. They're fainting the left hook. But watch out for the right cross. And what is that right cross? Watch them go after alternative platforms. Watch them continue to put pressure on Gab. On 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 uh, uh what's the other one called uh the the the, the new one Rumble Rumble yeah right yeah watch them go after these uh mines and all these other social media networks that are erupting all over the place watch them go after things like Substack right put pressure on them hey we don't want journalists who write uh, propaganda to be on your on, on your platform get them out this is what's happening it's a sick dark 
and comedic time that we're living in. A sick, dark, and comedic time. Why, Siege? Because we just found out, Siege, that declassified military report exposes the hidden links between wokeness and the American regime. This is a great article from Revolver. Go check it out. Okay, I love Revolver. A specter is haunting America, the specter of wokeism, seemingly out of nowhere. A mass woke hysteria of racial and gender grievances has come out not only to dominate, but to define every single major institution in the country. Wokeness is so deeply ingrained in our body politic that even its detractors can easily underestimate the extent and the nature of its influence. In a popular discussion between Glenn Greenwald and Revolver's Darren Beatty, Beatty suggests that there is an important relationship between wokeness and how the United States projects power internationally. You ever wonder why rainbow flags are flying all over U.S. embassies, except the ones in the Middle East? But according to The View, wokeness is not merely some extraneous ideological nuisance sitting on top of an otherwise non-woke military and national security apparatus. On the contrary, wokeness is more essentially connected to the specific manner in which the United States exercises its power, influence domestically and overseas. And Darren hits the nail on the head. Because you got to understand how this whole entire thing works. The United States is a corporation, technically. Right? I'm not going to get into the whole, you know, how every single one of these uh, uh, um, uh, corporate entities are actually incorporated in the island of Puerto Rico. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to get into all that. We're not going down that rabbit hole. But the United States is a corporate is is like a corporation. Okay, the corporation of Washington D.C. The United States is also a fascistic entity or a corporate or a corporatocracy, if you would, a more palatable way of putting it. So if it is a corporatocracy, every branch, every department should reflect the corporate culture. And what do you see when you look at mainstream corporate culture in every corporation in America? Pretty much all of them are woke. Are they not, CJ? Very, V. Very. Watch what happens in Pride Month. The oppressed peoples of the Alphabet Rainbow Coalition who literally think that Adolf Hitler is living under their, under their beds waiting to kill them. Who literally think that everything is a microaggression, that there are boogeymen in every basement, okay? Their signet, the colors of their insignia is plastered on every single corporate logo during Pride Month because there's an agenda there. And the Hydra the unelected bureaucracy that runs things will hijack and utilize anything. If it means 0.01% of the population who identify themselves as part of the Rainbow Coalition, they will use the Rainbow Mafia as useful idiots because they don't want critical thinking people. They want emotional Out of control, illogical masses of people that just want to just revolt and revile and, and go up against anything that is good and wholesome. 
thinking that what they're standing for is good and wholesome. Wokeism is the most is the most powerful weapon created by your government. And we're seeing it. And see, we have a funny story out of Canada. A very funny story. <laughs> we have a Rachel Dolezal event in Canada. Why? Because this is a wokester. You see, when you go into the far-left ideology, you, you leave reality behind. You leave planet Earth behind. We have this wokester who is a... Look at this lady. She's, she's got the whole Native American regalia. The, I'm an indigenous person. <laughs> a Canadian medical researcher who rose to become the nation's top voice on indigenous health has been ousted from her government job and her university professorship after suspicious colleagues invested her increasingly fanciful claims of Native American heritage and let learn she was a fraud. Terry Barusa, a public health expert who served as a scientific director for the Canadian Institutes of Health Research Institutes of the Indigenous Peoples' Health, was suspended on November 1st, five days after the state-owned Canadian Broadcasting Corporation published a lengthy expose on her background. <laughs> Turns out the bitch is white! <laughs> It's incredible. Dear Lord. Another Rachel Dolezal. But the, and you see this anomaly only in the far left. Only in areas where there's no such thing as gender, there's no such thing as anything, there's no such thing as as uh, everything is fluid. Gender fluid, racial fluid. I'm, I, I identify as a Mongolian this morning. Whatever. But this is part and parcel. You see, all the Western governments, from their militaries, from their corporations, from their institutions, their educational, their institutions of, uh, of higher learning, their financial institutions, their governmental institutions, all of them have gone woke. This is what happens when you begin to dehumanize yourself as a culture. And this is what happens that shows you how important culture is. Culture is a vanguard against this lunacy. I wish we fought as hard for our culture as the Chinese do for theirs and as the Russians do for theirs. Amen. Oh, wow, they... They're uh, they're spreading American propaganda. They're talking about American history. So what? B, I was getting ready to ask you, uh, how in the world did Russia and China create all those bots of, of wokeness? I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Gee, a whole who, lot of bots. Who, who has to gain from America going woke? It ain't the Chinese and the Russians. Because woke is volatile. Woke only serves the corporate banking oligarchs that own this country because their financial scheme that they've been running for the last 50-some-odd years is coming apart. That's what it's coming down to. Their financial scheme that they've been running for the last 60 years is coming apart. Yep. 
Yep. And this is the last wealth extraction scheme they have. Hmm. Siege, your thoughts? No, uh, perfect. It's you know it's going to get real interesting, you know, here shortly when we continue to see not only Africa nations and, and and countries pivot to China, which I'm not saying that that's specifically why the variant that was released from there and the lockdowns impacting their economy and everything, but it's going to be very interesting be to watch what happens when Latin America, in particular Mexico continue their their massive pivot that they're currently doing uh to to uh china and and, oh, yeah. and russia it's going to be it's going to get real interesting to see what happens south of our of our border during that time Absolutely. period i mean the russians have just uh flew their tu 160 uh blackjack bombers uh directly into cuba saying hello we're here <laughs> first time since the 60s man yep you know yep. there's a pivot happening there's a pivot happening and and everybody knows the emperor has no clothes and the rug is going to be pulled from Uncle Sam. And this is why culture is important. Because when this shithole of a mess collapses, we Americans who have a understanding of, of morality and culture and goodness, we need to rebuild this. And right now, with, with Twatter being gone, let's... Get our contacts out. Let's get our people out, our networks out, and let's start building because a new civilization is emerging, folks. You know, Gus, CJ, and I, we always talk about it. It's two countries. It's two civilizations. It's two economies. Mm, Let's make that a reality because we cannot reconcile with these people. They can exist in our world, but we can't exist in theirs. And that, to me, is a no-go situation for me. Ain't going to work. Time for us to start building. We've got a lot of work to do. And with that being said, folks, we're at the end of the show. Uh, 2 p.m. today, Eastern Time. Matthew Eric will be on, so make sure you stay locked and loaded here. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe, like, comment, share, hit us with a thumbs up, and check out our paid sponsors, mycbdedibles.com. With that being said, CJ, take it away.